You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Good morning. (laughs) I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, you don't know me and I don't know you, but Jesus knows all of us. How's that? We're wearing the the same t-shirt today. We belong to, to Jesus. It is a privilege to be here and to be invited to preach by your pastor, Pastor Brandon. Brandon is a friend of mine, um, and I've gotten to know him over the past year or two, and uh, Micah as well, and a few others, Roger. So uh, good news is I'm getting to know more people here. Maybe after today I'll get to know a few more of you. But it is always a privilege to open the Word of God and to speak on his behalf, and I will be held accountable to him for how I do it. I appreciate your prayers as we go through this morning. I have been a a pastor for 33 years. I close my eyes and I can remember the first time I preached and it was really scary. It still is a little scary, if I'm honest. But with that comes um, the knowledge that I am too worshiping and this is my gift to give to God. And your gift is to listen well to what he has to say. And today will be a a little different kind of message. Let me back up just real quick. I've served um, some churches in Ohio and Pennsylvania, kind of played ping pong back and forth over those those years. I've been an associate pastor twice, uh, and a church planter once, an interim pastor once, and then that church said, would you be our senior pastor? And I said, okay. So along that way, I've really grown to have a heart for pastors and for ministry leaders and for their families. And I have come to see that, uh, yeah, ministry can be the best of times and it can be the worst of times. Strange how that works out. I've come to see also that, uh, that ministry is a high calling. It is a high calling. God is my boss, right? It can also be a very dangerous calling. And I've learned that one over the years. I've also learned the simple fact that pastors are people too. We forget that. Pastors forget that. Congregations forget that. Pastors have personal doubts. They have fears. They have issues at home with their marriages, their parenting, their health issues, and financial issues because they're people too. People who desperately need the gospel, just like we all do here today, right? Amen. So, I am not currently on a church staff. The past five years, I have been serving on the the counseling team of Fieldstone Counseling. And, uh, We, uh, uh, five years old, have grown tremendously over the past five years. So we meet with people individually. We do it online. There's about 30 counselors. We do in-person, remote counseling. 
and we go around the world. It's really kind of special to, to do that. So we are biblically based, Christ-centered, and clinically informed. And we help individuals and families. We do seminars. We do all kinds of things to assist the churches and local schools and so forth. Our tagline is this, lasting hope for God's pleasure. Lasting hope for God's pleasure and for life's hardship. Does anyone need lasting hope for life's hardship besides me? Me too. When I joined Fieldstone, I said I've been a pastor for a long time. That has been my world. And so I do have a special heart for pastors. Can we do something about that? And Fieldstone graciously allowed me to kind of bring some focus to what eventually became known as shepherd care with an idea that we need to pay special attention and provide special counseling and consultation and help along the way of equipping pastors who in turn influence congregations just like you. So who pastors the pastor? You ever thought about that? Who ministers to the ministry leaders? Pastors are often the last to get the help they need, I know. Why? Because they're too busy helping all the other people in the congregation and or because they're too afraid to say, I need help myself and it might cost me my job. And I can't appear weak. And so they don't get the help they need. And then what happens, we begin to see a split between a public life and a private life And over the years, it does this, and you all in the congregation see the pastor bright and chipper, but the wife and children see a different person. And then maybe they will come and get counseling, but maybe not. So I am going to preach a sermon. It's gonna be a little different kind of sermon. It is a standalone sermon. I am standing all alone. It, it is gonna be the shortest sermon series on record. It's just one, okay, just one. It's a different kind of sermon, not because it's unbiblical. I promise you, this will be very biblical. It'll be very biblical. Because if, if Brandon preached it, it would come across like he was tooting his own horn, that it would be self-serving. Here's the topic. What is the relationship between the congregation and those who lead them. In particular, today, the pastor and the elders of the church. But by extension, as we hear the scripture here in a minute, I want you to think terms not just the pastor and elders, but also the ministry staff, all ministry leaders, and particularly now here at North Canton Canton Chapel. So here's the worst case scenario is that you'll hear this today and you, you won't like it and you'll never invite me back. <laughs> Best case scenario is gonna be this, that Brandon and the elders and their families will have sweet dreams at night. And this experience, how many years it is, at North Canton Chapel will be memories in their scrapbook of great joy and privilege. Yeah. 
So with that in mind, we need to listen to God first, all right? Two texts today, and they're gonna come up on the screen. First one is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 12 verses, I'm sorry, chapter 5 verses 12 through 13, and then Hebrews 1 verse, chapter 13, verse 17. And out of honor to God, would you please stand for the reading of his word? And because it's on the screen, how about we say this in unison? Willing to do that? All right, here we go. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Now from Hebrews, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Isn't that a wonderful text? Would you bow your hearts with me in a word of prayer? Lord, you have taken the time to write these words. Now, Holy Spirit, we invite you to connect them to us in a way that makes sense in practical ways. Lead us, I pray this in your name, amen. Please be seated. What I wanna do today is to make sure we understand what we've just read, the text, and then apply them in practical ways. It does no good to just talk about it unless we bring it down to the ground and say, okay, so what difference should that make? So here we go. We're gonna start with 1 Thessalonians and we'll walk through these two verses, 12 and 13. We ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. The early church was led by elders. The Greek word is presbuteroi. I'm a Presbyterian, I'm a presbuteroi pastor, Presbyterian pastor. <laughs> Imagine that, I get no extra credit in heaven for that, but I do like the fact that that's where it comes from. The word elders is interchangeable in the New Testament and now with the word pastor. Interchangeable with overseer. You'll see those kind of used interchangeably throughout the New Testament. And their job, like shepherds of sheep, was to shepherd the flock of God. What do shepherds do? Of sheep they lead, feed, guide, protect, care for, go after the strays. That's, that's pretty much what the job description is for pastors and for, for elders. Paul says, respect those who labor among you, those who work hard among you. How are they working hard? They're giving all of themselves so they can help you become all that God wants you to be. He says, they are over you in the Lord. What does that mean? They are providing oversight and leadership, caring, guiding, with their God-given authority. And last but not least, they're, they're free to admonish. That doesn't sound good. They're, they're free to admonish as needed. What does that mean? It means to instruct in God's word, to advise, to exhort, to correct, to warn people, 
whatever it takes so that they can follow Jesus and not get out ahead of him or too far behind him. Those of you that are parents know that parenting is not easy. Amen? <laughs> In fact, it's a whole lot like shepherding, leading, feeding, guiding, protecting, and so forth. Now imagine your family is not five, six, seven, or eight, but now it's 100, 200, 500, 1,000. That's a whole lot of folks to lead, guide, and so forth. So what was the job of the congregation then? According to, to Paul and according to God, I, I hear these words, you're to respect your leaders. The Greek word for respect means to acknowledge the true value of, to know, appreciate, to care for, to take an interest in. Respect your leaders. And to esteem them. How much? Very highly. In love. Why? Because of their work. Because of their high calling by God to be shepherds over God's flock. High calling. And finally, the last verse, verse 13, be at peace among yourselves. Sounds like a little innocent verse. It's actually a command an imperative, and we don't know why Paul put that in there, but maybe, maybe in the Thessalonian church, there was some friction between the, the members or maybe within the leaders or between the congregation and the leaders, we don't know. Now problems like that never happen today, right? Within churches? Sure they do, sure they do. Here's my loose translation. This is my loose translation of 1 Thessalonians. 5, 12 through 13. Hey, North Canton Chapel, listen up. You know your pastor and elders? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to respect them, to esteem them highly, to think rightly and lovingly of them, to care for them, to take an interest in them, not because of their good looks or their charming personality or their charisma or that they're upfront on a stage or even because of their ministry skills behind the scenes, but because of their work among you, because they are my gift to you. Be at peace with them and among yourselves. All right, time out. What are some practical ways this might look like? And this is where I... I come to you in this standalone sermon as a pastor and share with you my heart as a pastor from this side of the fence to you, the congregation of North Canton Chapel. The first way that you can respect and esteem your, your leaders is to get to know them personally. Get to know their families personally as well. Ask them how you can be praying for them, how you can serve them. Invite them over to your house for a meal or for a ball game or some social event. Invite them to the Super Bowl at your house and not assume that everybody is asking them and they never get asked. <laughs> By the way, how you treat the pastor's spouse and children speaks volumes to your pastor.
It's how you treat him. And he takes it that personally. So get to know them personally. Second thing here, let them lead. I'm talking about the pastor and the elders now. Let them lead. Their job is to lead in a biblical way that they believe God is leading them. Give them the freedom to lead without unbiblical expectations. Without constant complaining, without fear of church political pressure, they ultimately answer to God, not to you. Let them lead. Give them grace, forgiveness, and the benefit of the doubt. What do we mean by that? If you don't understand or agree with them, go to them. Go to them in private and say, I'm not on the same page with you. When you said this didn't make sense, or when you guys decided to do this, help me understand that, it's okay. You're practicing Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Go to the person privately. Just don't take the cheap way out and gossip behind their back. Satan loves gossip and it implodes a church. Don't go there. Respect their privacy. They are here to serve the Lord by serving you, but they are not your slaves at your beck and call. I remember a sermon I preached and I said, this was getting to know my congregation for the first time. I said, I'm here to serve you, but I'm not your slave. There's a difference. So respect their family time, respect their need for time out, their time for refueling, even a sabbatical. It's okay. Here's another thought, this is really deep. Let them be human. Let them be human, just like you. They need God's grace and forgiveness. They need the gospel every day, just like you. Give them the safety to be real. That is often so rare in churches. Give them the safety to be real, expressing their needs, doubts, and struggles in following Jesus, just like God gives to you. Help them become all God wants them to be, not just expect them to help you become all God wants you to be. In short, the congregation and the pastors and elders, the relationship is this, it's a mutual team. It's a mutual serving, caring, rooting each other on. Not just a one-way street of the pastor always serving, 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 serving. It has to go both ways or something's gonna give. With that in mind, here's another practical idea. Practice the ministry of affirmation. You ever heard that? The ministry of affirmation. Instead of just coming to the pastor and saying, oh, here we go, another, another complaint. Come to them and surprise them and say, you know, The sermon that you preached last Sunday really connected with me, and I appreciate you saying it because it made a difference this week in how I treated my kids. Or, Elder Smith, thank you for visiting me in the hospital. I appreciate that you took the time to do that. Practice the ministry of affirmation, not just with your pastor, not just with your elders, but with all the church staff, all the ministry leaders. No one is trying to make a mistake I don't think. Let them know when they do it right. 
You get the idea. Provide, uh, I'm stepping on ice here. Provide your pastor with a generous financial package. I'm not saying you don't. But I am saying if a pastor and his family have to nickel and dime life, then their attention is on that and not on you. And they're not free. Enough said. Finally, seek first the kingdom of God among your leaders and with them. Express your thoughts, concerns, and ideas to your leaders without insisting on your own personal agendas or personal preferences. Make them known, but don't insist on them or I'm out of here. If I see those drums up on the stage one more time, I'm out of here. I have heard that. (laughs) Keep the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing? Jesus Christ loved sinners and died for them. The real enemy is out there. His name is Satan. The enemy is not here. But we confuse that. Be at peace with one another. Respect them, esteem them very highly. Be at peace among yourselves. That's that's the first text. I told you this would be practical. The second text from Hebrews ratchets it up even more. As we get that one back up on the screen, I want to tell you a couple reflections I had growing up. I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, I went to College Hill Presbyterian Church. And as a youngster, elementary school is where I became a Christian. My mom and dad were Christians. That helped a lot. But here's what I remember. I remember sitting up in the balcony with my brother Tom during the sermon and the worship service and counting bald heads. (laughs) I remember that. Shows you what I was paying attention to. And I remember a communion service, holy moments, you know, communion services, and we had the little cups with the juice, right? Then again, my brother next to me, he had his new corduroy suit on, it was beige. And there was a moment where the pastor said, now let us pray, and my brother prayed by tipping the juice this way, and the juice spilled out in a very compromising place for a guy. And he elbows me, and I just cannot contain myself with laughter. Of course, the whole congregation is in prayer. It was one of those holy moments I will never forget. I think God laughs a lot more than we realize in our worship services. But most of all, here's what I remember. I remember looking up to our pastors. I mean, I just saw them on Sunday. Oh my word, these are men of God. Preaching God's word. with Sensitivity to the leading of the spirit. Wow. I had no idea that pastors had doubts about God. I had no idea about their struggles at home or their frustrations with their church. They're being wounded by critical church members. I had no idea how that affected their families. No idea that they had feelings of isolation, loneliness, inadequacy. 
brokenness, burnout, and betrayal. Not a clue. I do now. I've tasted that. Many pastors taste that, and you don't know. So let's look at Hebrews 3, 17. Just one verse, right? Shouldn't be too much in there. (laughs) I'm kidding. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Boom, boom. Two imperatives, two commands. Must be pretty important to God. All right, slow down, Lord. Obey, what's it mean? The Greek means to be persuaded, believe, assent to, or follow. The word submit, again, a command means to defer, give way, yield, cease to fight, submit to one another's authority, to come under someone's leadership. Why? For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. To whom? To God. (laughs) You got it. It's an awesome responsibility to watch over, to be accountable for the soul care of a congregation. Your pastors and elders will be held accountable by their boss for how well they do on their watch of the flock. That's very sobering. And finally, let them do this with what? Joy and not with what? Groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. That makes sense. I like that verse. I wonder what God hears most from pastors after a busy day of of, of ministry. When they leave the church, I wonder if if, if God hears this. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of, of being a leader here, being a shepherd here. Thank you for bringing me and my family here. Yeah. Or, does God hear something like this? Pastor steps out on the step, about to get into his car, and he goes, this would be a great place, Lord, except for the people you brought here. (laughs) You brought here. I wonder what God hears most. Here's my loose translation. Hey, North Canton Chapel, listen up again. I not only want you to respect and highly esteem your pastor and elders, I want you to obey them. See, we ratchet it up just a little bit. I want you to follow their leadership. They serve me and are accountable to me and I will hold them accountable for how well they shepherded you, but Do not just obey them half-heartedly or grudgingly with your foot on the brakes. For this will only discourage or frustrate them and you will ultimately suffer because of it. Obey them wholeheartedly with encouragement for them and their families so that someday they will look back on their time of service with you with smiles and tears of joy. I think that's what God's trying to say. So what does this mean? What does this little short verse from Hebrews mean? And what does it not mean practically? Let's take it in that order. It means that, first of all, God owns this church. 
God owns North Canton Chapel. This is not Pastor Brannon's church. It's not the elders' church. It's not even your church. Jesus owns this church. You are a local family of God called North Canton Chapel. Jesus is the head of this family. Always has been. Always will be. He died for each person in it. He has ultimate authority over all that goes on in and through the church. And in light of that, then, the pastor and the elders exercise the authority of Christ in his name. And so they minister, and they deserve your respect and your support. It means that they, your pastor, your elders, need to be in a close, growing relationship with Jesus because they can't give you what they do not have. And they may fool you, but they're not fooling God. And finally, the congregation is to obey their leaders as your act of obedience and love for God. You say, I love God. Here's one way you can show them. What does it not mean? Please hear this, particularly in light of news that we hear about what goes on sometimes within Christianity as a whole. It does not mean that church leaders are equal to God. They aren't omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, there's all these omnis, or infallible, incapable of making mistakes or sinning against God. It's a terrible thing when leaders forget that. Some pastors and ministry leaders forget they are to be servant leaders, just like Jesus. And instead, they think that they are the saviors, capital S, of the church, and therefore require your obedience. It doesn't mean that church leaders have the right to misuse their authority for personal advantage, privilege, or power. Abuse of any kind, physical, verbal, emotional, spiritual, relational, sexual, whatever it is, is a sin against God. It's a sin against the person abused, and it's a sin against the church family. And is not to be tolerated. This includes harsh-based leadership. Where people that work on a staff, particularly, are afraid to say anything other than what the pastor wants to hear out of fear they will lose their job. And this goes on. That, too, is abusive and God doesn't tolerate it. Finally, it doesn't mean that church members have to be silent. Hear this. If they disagree with their leaders' thinking or decisions or directions, speak up. Here's the truth. God speaks not just through pastors and ministry leaders. He speaks through all his people, and it'll be the wise elder board, the wise pastor, who will be listening to the sheep. but it doesn't mean they are obligated to do what you say they are to do. But at least they need to listen 
if you do speak. And I recognize that takes courage. But speak the truth in love. High truth, high grace. High truth, high grace. Specifically in terms of your obedience. When your pastor or elders speak, listen. When they ask for help, help. When they ask for prayer, pray. When they ask for forgiveness, forgive them. When they or their families are suffering, suffer alongside them. And when they get tired of being good shepherds, and their arms are like this, come alongside them, lift their arms up by your words and your deeds and your support. Don't assume someone else is doing it. Brothers and sisters in Christ who wear the same t-shirt with me, <laughs> your leaders are God's gifts to you. They will be responsible for how they treat you. And you will be responsible for how you treat them. Now, a few remarks just in closing. As you know, Pastor Brannon um, is on sabbatical. So this is a little different phase of life for this, this church. He'll be away for the next three months. He's gone away, why? Well, actually what he has said is what? He, he's not disappearing, he's just disengaging. I like that. <laughs> he will come back. The purpose is to recharge his batteries, personal and professional. He is not, Brandon is not on an extended vacation. Please do not see it that way. He is seeking much needed personal healing and spiritual growth with the Lord. He is seeking time to refocus on his marriage and his family, which just so easily evaporates in the busyness of ministry. I, I tell the pastors their first congregation is their family. He is seeking to learn how to be a better lead pastor here at NCC. He is seeking to practice what he preaches when he calls you to slow down, you to rest in the Lord, and for you to get the help you need. Well, you go first. Brandon loves this church. I hope you know that. I think he's demonstrated that, hasn't he, over the past six and a half years or whatever it is? And so I applaud the elders, the church staff, and the members of this church for not just granting him a sabbatical, but fully supporting him and his family as they enter into a, a, a different kind of time. But for his good and for your good. Here's the truth Jesus owns this church. Jesus expects this church to bear much fruit for him with his help. And to do that, the church must be healthy. For the church to be healthy, the pastors and elders and ministry leaders must be healthy. 
So Brandon has taken a step. And so are you. Brandon's sabbatical goes well. He'll come back a changed man. I think he'll look basically the same, but you know what I mean. He's going to be, hopefully, his batteries are recharged. And you will be blessed for a long time. For a long time. What does any of this have to do with the gospel? We have not mentioned the gospel at all, right? Let me suggest this in closing. Satan is no dummy. He knows that as the pastor and the ministry leaders of a church go, so goes the church. As the church goes, so goes the proclamation of the gospel. And as the proclamation of the gospel goes, so goes the kingdom of God. And so guess where Satan goes? He is no dummy. He goes right for the pastors and the ministry leaders. And their families. So you pray for your leaders. North Canton Chapel, this is not a rebuke. I say this with passion because I've tasted it. And I'd rather it never happened to anybody. This is an affirming charge. How's that? You do so many things well. This is not a rebuke. But we need to hear, even in a standalone sermon from time to time, what your job is. Well, respect your leaders, esteem them very highly, obey and submit to them so their work here will be a joy and not a burden, so that at the end of the day, and when the leaders hit the pillow, there will be sweet dreams for shepherds. Amen? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, uh, the privilege to share your word and I do. I pray for Brandon. I pray for the elders of this church. I pray for the staff, the ministry leaders who have stepped forward, uh, following your high calling. But we also know that can be a dangerous calling. So bring healing where needed, <clears throat> hope where needed, uh, fresh direction. And we look forward to how you'll answer that prayer. But may there be sweet dreams, we pray. And look back with special fond memories for the leaders of their time at this church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to a song. It's called Quiet. And it might be a good idea just to be quiet as the band comes up and just reflect on what we've heard from God. Just chew on it. Me too. The Lord be with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at ncchapel.com forward slash give. 
Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces, making much of Jesus every day to everyone.